1: I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Whakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera.
0: Sam. How's it going?
1: It's going very well indeed. We haven't spoken for nearly two weeks because I was oh, sick.
0: You were sick, and I've been working on a research bid that has to be in tomorrow, so um, yeah, it's just been a crazy time.
1: And it's Friday. What exciting things are happening for you in the weekend?
0: Um, this afternoon, we are heading off to Mount Maunganui to spend the night because Jack's on a plane at six o'clock tomorrow morning to go to the Antarctic Explorers Summit in Christchurch.
1: That sounds fun. So,
0: seriously exciting.
1: How did he get picked for that?
0: Uh, the um, They they put out a call. They wanted, they there were 20 places, 200 kids. Uh, he had a questionnaire that he had to fill in and... Um, I was a bit blown away by his responses and I can see why they, they picked him. He talked about how uh, he always thought he had to wait till he was an adult to be able to make a difference with climate change, but climate change is not going to wait for him to be an adult. And so he now is the time. And I was just so proud of him. But that, So, yeah, he's really excited to go over uh, down to Christchurch and to spend some time with William Pike,
1: Awesome. Well done, Explorer Jack.
0: Yeah.
1: And who are we introducing today?
0: It is my great pleasure to introduce Stephen O'Connor. Stephen is a, uh, I think you are a retired minister, Stephen, 30 years in the ministry and um, currently, currently studying a PhD in Māori Pākehā relations in the King Country, which sounds amazing. Uh, and a really busy community man, really. Welcome and thanks for joining us today.
2: Oh, my pleasure to be with you both.
1: Welcome, Stephen. Where are you, Stephen?
2: I'm, I'm in my son's bedroom, uh, a, a quiet spot in the house, I hope, for the next wee while. Is that in North East Valley? North Valley, in Dunedin.
1: And so we've been asking people how their bubble life was, and of course that's now extended into a traffic light and whatever else. So how was your bubble life?
2: Well, my my bubble life um, was very much sitting exactly where I am now, but I was working for uh, student services at the university and working remotely, obviously, Uh, and um, so I'd often sit here on Zoom calls with um, other staff members and so on. So this is a bit um, deja vu sitting here talking to you guys like this tonight. I I was also um, a minister at that time and learning how to um, take church services um, via internet and zoom meetings and video recordings and um karaoke music and all sorts of (laughs) odd things that we use to try and connect with each other and and uh, find a sense of god and know what we're doing
1: is that what it was about that that maintaining the connection
2: yeah 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 it was it was very good um you actually had 100 percent attendance (laughs) <laughs> during that time because um, people valued it so much and, and they nothing else to do, nothing else to go to. so. Yeah. And they
1: didn't have to actually get out of bed?
2: Well, I think mostly they did, but they didn't <laughs> have to get... Yeah, didn't Probably have to didn't have far. to wear the
1: Sunday best. Yeah, that's right. And so did you come up with new things that you think that
2: are going to stick? Y- yeah, well, um, I- I've always been quite innovative, so we're always doing new things anyway. So, um, But... you. Y- y- it made you think of what your values really were. You know what were what were the important things. Um, and, and so we had a bit of a focus, for example, on you know just hearing, listening to each other's stories. That, that um, that's always been important to us, but it came to, into a new focus um, as as we uh, gathered remotely and realised how much we uh, appreciated one another. And with this type of um, media, well you. Only one person can talk at a time, and everyone else has to listen, so it creates a different um, um, feeling as well
1: so did you have lots of stories of nothing happened today i I went to the kitchen and then I went to the to the office come bedroom, and then I went back to the kitchen and that 's my day <laughs>
2: yeah, i don 't I, I don't recall that no people are still going through life stuff and they're talking about their family overseas and they're, 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 they're you know reflecting on world events and their you know um yeah, dealing with their health issues. Yeah, all all those, all sorts of stuff that people still still go through.
1: You're very well connected to the to the community, either through various trusts or just from being in the community. How did the community fare?
2: I think the uh, the very project did fairly well. They they um they pivoted quite successfully um you know to focus on what they thought the community needs would be during COVID. Um, it, it, thankfully it wasn't as bad as um it could have been and so they 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 were over prepared if you like. So it's better that than that being under prepared. Um you know, they they just showed resilience in, in the way they did things and, and um and they were particularly all set up to uh, deal with what they thought might be mass unemployment as a result of COVID and, and feeding people and so on. But we didn't turn out that to be as as bad as we thought, especially in Dunedin in the in the in the first year in a bit.
1: The lockdown, the the first lockdown, didn't last all well. Didn't last all that long. And in, in retrospect, it seemed yeah. like a long time at at the time. Do you think the community has learnt from the initial lockdown and the whatever the bit between the lockdowns is? We still haven't got a name for that bit between lockdowns. That's right.
2: But do you think we've learnt from that experience? I I think we're still learning. I think we're still processing it. Um, we we at the, the, the North East Valley Baptist Community Trust, which runs a whole lot of programs out of what was formerly the Baptist Church, has, um, you know, different groups have responded in different ways, and some of them haven't come back together yet. For example, we've got a, a dancing group which caters to people mostly over 70, and they just haven't felt safe coming back together yet. Um, and we've had, you know, whereas a group, the SPACE program, which is aimed at young mums and their, their kids, you know, they've um, they managed to carry on through that time, you know, and, and you know, wearing masks and some adaptations. But and, but we're still, you know, thinking through how, you know, what this means going forward. Yeah. There have been some lessons learned, but I think there'll be some more um, because it's, we still haven't figured out what the new normal is.
1: Exactly. Or if it is a new normal or if it's a new change as usual.
2: Yeah, yeah. Only constant Let's... is change.
1: Yes. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Midnight Oil. Beds are burning. Why this one?
2: Well, I I've always been you uh, yeah, i I enjoy Midnight Oil social conscience, I guess. And um yeah, very inspired by the the theme of, you know, um caring for um and thinking about uh Aboriginal Australians. Um and, and you know, that they they Midnight Oil way ahead of the game in terms of um their um push for indigenous rights and so on so i've i've you yeah, know I've taken inspiration from that um and and thought about how how that applies to us in New Zealand as well um you know how can we sleep when the beds are burning and you know so it's a it's a personal thing how can I live uh, knowing about the injustice that's going on around me you know how i it calls for a response and then I sort that's of, sort of thing david Garrett's really done well you know he's he's called for a response um and yeah that's what I find inspiring about it Out where
3: the river broke The bloodwood And the desert oak Holding wrecks and
1: Where does that social conscience that that the need for a c- for a response come from for you stephen
2: oh, i think it's it runs deep in my veins um you know i've i've um been involved in the the labor party for a number of years but that goes right back to to my my great grandmother who was um yeah, a a labor party supporter for the very first labor government um and, and the only time that Moronsville and that Piako electorate ever went to labor, uh, way back in the nineteen thirty-five election. So you know, there's a long history of it in the family, um, and, and you know, that's it's been uh, what I was brought up with that we as we uh, we're not individuals. You know, no no man is an island, as is the old saying goes. You know, we 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 exist as social creatures, and we got to look after each other.
1: And Moronsville has produced a pretty good prime minister.
2: Exactly, yes. A very good attorney general too. Do you know who that was? No. Margaret Wilson came from Morris.
1: Is there something in the water? Yes. So you have, in the last few weeks, um, set off in a a new direction, or there's a a milestone in a new direction. You've started a PhD. Congratulations.
2: Thank you. you.
1: (laughs) What's that about?
2: Well, the the, the topic itself I'm looking at... um, early settlers into the king country after the the orkati was lifted so after the 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 Waikato wars the 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 Waikato tribes retreated into Maniapoto land and the the government sort of um gave up on them for 20 years or you know they they the, the another way to look at it is that you know um the Kingitanga set up a boundary and says don't cross here and the and the government's like hey okay, we won't and there, there was like a cold war existing in New Zealand or a the the kingie tanga acted like a state within a state um in, in the early 1880s uh the government was under a lot of pressure to put the railway line through the area and they're also under a lot of pressure to get some more land for settlers and on so and um so there was a, a negotiation of sorts um and the, the king country was opened up for settlers my great-grandparents uh, were among some of those early settlers who broke in a bush farm, and I was always curious as to how these groups, two groups of people, who had looked across the border at one another as enemies, um, and how they got on when they came to live together. Um, yeah, you know, what? what you know were the boundaries really broken down? Were there other boundaries that were erected? Um, did, did were were Maori better off uh, because the railway line went through and their property values went up, or? Or had the or was colonialism still in full force? You know, the sort of things I want to explore. Where um groups active that were trying to do a better job than to be done in other parts of the country. How how were the churches working in the sports club, uh, the Marae, and so on? So, what what was going on at a, a ground level in in that area? And what's the what's the source of data? Where where are you getting stuff from? Well, um, I'm shortly heading... Uh, north to the north island i 'm going to visit be visiting ten museums around the Waikato and the king country i've been in contact with their curators and and, and archivists and so on um, so i'm hoping that there'll be and i've had some indications already that there are some taonga and some of those museums some archives um some repositories of you know personal diaries and and records of various organizations and so on and so um and yeah i have been yeah the the Hocken library and the um Turnbull and the Auckland Museum, there's this, there's, there's actually a load of material there that's going to take quite a lot of sitting through over the next, and you know, I've only been at it a few days really, but it's quite exciting what I'm, I'm, I'm and almost I'm, overwhelming.
1: And, yes, and I, I know that you're looking at, I can't say what insights do you, will you have, because you've just started, but uh, uh, can you see a pathway for this mattering for now? Can you see a pathway where we might get stuff out of it that that might give us some clues as to how we can live together better or something?
2: I I think, um, yeah, we're focused a lot on the war. We're focused a lot on um, what has divided us. And and I'm hoping to find some stories in here that talk about how we come together. Um, And and, some of the little snippets I've seen are stories of, of the uh, manaakitanga of Nāti Maniapoto. You know, they, they welcomed the visitors, in, they had a very strong um, ethic of, of welcoming people, um, and so I can see some little snippets of how that that um, that worked out. Uh, and one one of my sources is um, a family memoir of my own family, and one of the things that impressed me was my great auntie wrote this memoir, and, and she used what I thought was quite a bit of uh, rio maori Um and she celebrated in her. They were Catholics and they they went to a church service that was all in Te Reo and they had Waiata. And so it was just lovely to be at and to hear it in Te Reo and so on. And, and she talked with, um, talked about some cultural interactions and so on. Uh, and it, it just seemed much more positive than, than I might have imagined it, it could have been like. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's quite a few pakia that speak Reo Maori now. Um, 20 or 30 years ago, there's very few. Um but it was it, it was nice to know that you know in the late nineteenth century it was still common for um uh settlers to have to learn maori and some a number of them did
0: Stephen you've lived a life of service, and uh I think about uh young people today, and that this i think a growing need for people who are willing to serve in community, but a, this disconnect. That I also see uh, where we have less people willing to serve. How do we get more people like you? How do we inspire that service in our young people today?
2: That's a very, very good question. She uh, has <laughs> a simple answer. I, I think it's got to do with modelling it and and being in community, and inviting young people into be part of a community. Um, we, are, we where they feel valued and where they feel their contributions are valued. Um, yeah, there, there is there. Yeah, there's so much, uh, particularly on the internet and social media and so on, which is all about me, 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 um, and, and you know my rights and so on and so forth. But um, you know, yeah, I think you've got to get people face to face. You've got to get people experiencing um, doing service for others, and, and just and, yeah, they they will enjoy. It. You know, I've taken young people to um, pensioners' flats, and we've gone and done some cleaning and. And and stuff like that, and and then they were very hesitant to start with. What do you want to do this for? You know, but but I've come away and said, oh, that was great. It was really neat to meet old Bob. You know, he had some funny stories, and you know, so yeah, it it comes through experiencing it, and I I, I think um, most people actually have a have a desire to do some good, to do some service, and you, you need to tap into it somehow.
0: Do you think that social media uh, has been the biggest barrier to a willingness to serve or has it been happening for longer than that but it was just slow when we never noticed it
2: um well, well social media is also you, you think of the the was it the army and christ student army in Christchurch. oh yeah it's been a great vehicle for it as well so it's you know it's, uh, it's it's not a bad thing in itself it's just that there is some bad stuff there that that, that um, kids can access easily and and they you know they, they get a sense of um belonging and identity from belonging to a group that tells them to look after themselves and no one else, you know. Yeah.
0: I've noticed in schools that um, there always used to yeah. be kind of service clubs in schools and I have noticed that they've sort of they seem to be dropping away. We're right. really lucky we've got a you know, like uh the uh, air training corps um, here in is still going well, scouts are still going well. So right, there's still right. there's still, you know, like engagement, but you just don't see that that same level of community service, you know, like the selling yes. fine firewood and sausage sizzles and and all that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, and like the Duke of Edinburgh Award is still a pretty cool thing when it's encouraged. My um, my, my nephew is just going with his girlfriend to Wellington to get her award you know, and it's a real wow. celebration. So that, those kind of things are. are...
0: That's really neat. Congratulations, because that's a that's a whole of life commitment going through that process.
4: Mm, mm.
0: That's really cool. Um, I, I look at our kids today, and I worry that they don't—they don't know how to commit to a future. They don't know how to imagine what the future looks like in this this right. incredibly fast-changing world.
2: Oh, you can't blame them, can you? Because you know, what what sort of future are we leaving them? You know, with with uh, climate change, especially, um, and, and our addiction to violence around the place. Um, you know. It's it's hard to plan what you're gonna do when you don't know what's gonna you know, is there gonna be a a a life worth living? Or you know, if I make plans to do such and such, is there you know, um is the plan gonna sustain that? Um, am I ever gonna be able to have a house to live in? Is the job I train for gonna exist in ten years time? So it is it's tough for kids. Like you know, I've got three sons, they're aged twenty to twenty five and, and um they're, they're all struggling to find their way in the world for those kind of reasons.
0: Yeah. And that's, those are exactly the questions we talk about on the show a lot. Those, is my job going to exist? Am I going to be able to find a house? What will happen with climate change? And that requires this level of hopefulness, I think. And yeah. and that seems to be in short supply right now. How right, do we right. bring hopefulness in?
2: Yeah, well, I, I, I think I, I come back um, to... What what does it mean to be a human being? And for me, it, it's it's about uh, relating to other human beings, yeah, and and it's through kindness and service and love and devotion, all those kind of things. Um, and, and you know, I I'm not a person in myself. You know, I I am a, a husband of Jenny. I'm a father of Keegan and Jack and Cameron. That that's who I am, not just Steve who does this and that. Um, and that, that that's what gives me meaning. So I I think hope is there as well. Hope is not. That I hope that I am going to be rich one day, or I hope that I'm going to have a fast car or a flash house. But hope is that, you know, I'm going to have good relationships with, with people um, yeah, and that I will find fulfillment in that. So, you know, um, yeah, and I, I, I just reflecting on yeah, a movement around the world today to reduce to a four day working week. And I think it's great because it's shifting the focus away from um, having taken all your meaning from your job. And money that you can earn, but thinking you know, there's other parts of life which are more important. And for me, and I, I think if we all stopped and thought about it, probably we would say it's people that are the most important. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Arakanui, Dededean's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie.
5: Kia ora koutou, namahi arahanui, kia koutou, koutou, I hope you all have a best day, beautiful superstars of my beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are, a triumph of nature's art, unique and here, making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for us all, the last more than two years have been very hard. We've had to learn so much, to grow so much. And we've had to do this very fast. The challenges that have presented themselves have not presented themselves before in our lifetime. And of course, when we're dealing with the new, there's so much that has to very quickly and very rapidly evolve. And we've done very well. I think we should all feel very proud. And for me, it has illuminated, it has highlighted all the skills that we innately possess we are drawn towards nurturing, that we can be a source of great comfort and compassion for ourselves and for one another. And just by uttering a few kind words, offering a place of sanctuary and support, we really can make a huge difference. We can all be great friends to ourselves and to each other. And this is a wonderful gift that we can share. So I really hope for you, you have had the opportunity to be a friend and feel supported as a friend, that you have been able to be a friend to yourself, that you have been able to cheer yourself on and encourage yourself, and that you have seen in those dear to you, or even in those that you're just meeting for the first time, beautiful shining gifts that are there to be celebrated, because of course we all possess these things. I'm very fortunate of course that I work at the beautiful Orokonoe Eco Sanctuary and as part of my role as educator there I'm so lucky that beautiful beautiful people come to visit me and some of these beautiful people come to visit me every fortnight, like the eco warriors from Port Chalmers Kindergarten and I have them for a whole term and then when they're about to go to school we have a graduation ceremony and it's very special for me and I give them a certificate and I talk with them about what I've really loved about spending time with them. And yesterday we had two graduations for Clementine and Hazel. And both of these beautiful young people have been so tuned in, so aware of all the life around them. So gentle, so respectful to all the birds and their home at Orokanui. And although quite different from each other, they are dear friends. And Clementine is naturally, I feel, a dancer or a gymnast. Her whole body just thrills with each sound and sight that she sees. Her body responds and expresses herself with her movement. And it's like the whole world is music to her. And and she dances in response to it, and it's beautiful to see. And Hazel is very quiet and very appreciative of the world, looking and, and listening and taking it all in. And for both of these beautiful young people, it's so important that their skills, their gifts, are recognised and are celebrated, especially in a world where often being able to verbalise is more greatly celebrated. So it was a real honour for me to be able to mihi to them and appreciate them. So I really hope that for all of you, you're having the opportunity to celebrate these special qualities you see in those around you make such a difference to be able to do this for one another. And I really hope that you're having the opportunity to connect with beautiful friends who you love and who love you. And
1: I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much for having
5: me. Ka
1: You are listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Stephen O'Connor. Stephen, before we had Tahu's thought of the day, you were talking about hope and that uh, shift in meaning and the theme of this show ha- is uh positive but not deluded and over the last couple of weeks people have been talking to us or convincing us perhaps that maybe we should add a dash of deluded but we're, we're allowed <laughs> to ha- it. We, yeah we we want to have that that kind of bit of quirky imagination on the side where do you see as the the balance between that that positive mindset and the the, the sort of the critical reality—how do those two things play together?
2: Well, I, I think that quirkiness and um, what you call delusion, yeah, it, it's another way of talking about imagination, isn't it, and creativity. That's where all that come comes from. And if if everything was going like clockwork, you you don't need creativity and imagination. You just plot on through a boring existence. But if there's a bit of tension and things aren't quite as you would want them to be, you respond to that. And one, you know, you respond with a sense of humor. You respond with um, creativity. You re- respond with hope, you know, and joy. Yeah, you know, this, is, this is what life's all about. And now we've got to find a, a way through. And so, yep, yeah, um, I've learned to appreciate quirky people a lot because they can be the ones that point you into a new direction. And... um make you see things in a different way.
1: Did you think, did you notice that this year people are kind of over it? That, that hope, that hope that camaraderie has been harder to find.
2: Yeah. I've only seen it on the media. I haven't really, well, experiencing people who are feeling tired, you know, they're, they're exhausted and burnt out. And, you know, we've been doing this for two and a half years, you know, um, and that's been really, really hard. Um, and we've had a very, very small minority make a very loud noise at, you know, at, at Parliament and you know, in other other ways. Um, and they've created a, a stir, you know. Um, and it's, it's it's less than other people's enthusiasm for doing the right thing. And they said, well, you know, well what's the point? You know, we, we'd carry on doing the right thing, and these idiots spoil it for all of us. So, you know, why should I wear a mask anymore, or why should I... Get vaccinated, or whatever it is, um, it sort of it damages the the goodwill of of other people as well. Um, yeah, so I certainly see it. You said earlier on that that we are not
1: individuals, but we are individuals. We, we certainly need to have that that agency. So, how can we bring back that sense of that sense of collective, that sense of that we're in this together? Because you're right, that is with the protests in Parliament and whatever. That got seriously challenged over the last few months. What can we do to to bring it back, but still allow people to have that, that diverse views?
2: What, what do you look at? What was the strength of that protest in Wellington? Was they built a real sense of community there, amongst some, you know, some very diverse people and lots of quirky people? You know, they're, they're, they're the kind of people that you, under other circumstances, it'd be great to get together to do yeah. stuff. Um, but we've, um for the rest of us we haven't had those opportunities together together we we used to run community dinners quite regularly down here in the valley and haven't done them for 3 or 4 years now because of covid and other other circumstances um and you know bringing people face to face to to talk to each other to eat together to celebrate together you know we we did um some matariki we we did big community hāngi for a number of years and, and you know whenever you, you you bring people together you you're building that sense of community you're building connection um yeah you know, the, the community garden in, in in northeast valley it's it's more than just the vegetables that get grown it's the it's the community that gets grown so yeah yeah you've got to you've got to program that in. you've got it you've got to make up op- opportunities for people to sit, sit together um and, and we've lost that you know just because of the circumstances and that's what we, we need to get started again does that metaphor of the garden apply
1: to the, the community? Is it the same sorts of things we need to do to grow that strengthened community?
2: I'm I'm sure there's lots of, um, yeah, lots of uh, ways you could use that metaphor. Yeah, under the right conditions, growth occurs, you know, warmth and sunlight and good nutrients and things that, like, yeah. I, I was trying not to push the metaphor too far, you yeah, know, about <laughs> pulling weeds and... Oh, no, like we'll that. ramp it up. <laughs> 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 we'll um, keep tweaking that. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the parable of the sower and the weeds uh, uh, that, that Jesus talked about. If you're pulling the weeds out, you're likely to damage the plants. So, you know, we we don't want to be, you know, having a community that's pure and good and just, just the people we like. We've got to have community with everyone. That's the strength of it.
1: We have seen lots of change in our communities and society over the last couple of years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick?
2: I, I would like to think, you know, the idea of kindness sticks, um, although that seems to have become a weapon in the hands of others at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I would like to think, you know, the way that we look out for the vulnerable and, and you know, just the, you know, the, the things like wearing a mask not to protect myself but to protect others or to set an example. Or, um, you know, if for two years in Dunedin we, we, we wore masks and we scanned and, and there was not a, nobody was infected um, but we did it as an act of solidarity I think as much as anything else so uh, I hope that 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 kind of thing continues that we're yeah, we can think of other people the way the different groups did come together to support so whether it was the those that got together to get people out to get vaccinated or tested or that got together to um, distribute food parcels and so on so I hope some of that carries on to meet whatever needs uh, are there going forward it's been
1: interesting that our experience of the pandemic was not having the pandemic yeah and so we were sort of contrasted with the rest of the world and now we've got the pandemic and the rest of the the rest of the world has kind of had it and is living with it and we've kind of jumped straight to that but without the middle bit somehow yeah. but, and i wonder if maybe that's why we're a bit confused
2: yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it was it was such a feared thing before we got it. You know, we were. I remember in the very early days, it's, it's sort of. My, my my wife works as a nurse, and so we had to isolate her at home, and she'd come in through a special entrance, and she stripped down and scrubbed up, and going <laughs> in and out, and and we we felt like you know it was the plague, and and probably it was quite serious before there's any vaccinations around. Um, and but what, yeah, since everyone's been vaccinated, it doesn't seem so bad, you know. Um, certainly people are getting very ill and people are still dying, uh, sadly. But uh, people's attitude towards it, the, the fear has gone, I
1: which is kind of weird because we were scared and we were when, it, when there was, you know, one person about a month, um, dying yeah, of, yeah. of COVID, and what was it yesterday, 27 people died, and it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know around. how high that how high up that was on the news if it was there at all.
2: Yeah, yeah. Certainly, it's weird. Yeah. Is it is it something to do with our our Kiwi attitude of getting on with being pragmatic and the it was the pragmatic thing to do to try and keep um, COVID out. But once it's here, what well, do you just get on and, and mitigate the best you can?
1: Do you think that there are any lessons that we can take? from the pandemic and the pandemic response for those bigger sorts of things you talked about social justice you talked about climate change has the the pandemic taught us
2: anything for those i, I think it, I, i'm very glad that we had the type of government we had during the pandemic um, and where we look at uh, more right-wing governments around the world who who aren't inclined it's not there in their dna to think of other people the, the way the left-wing government will um you yeah we're seeing the results of that they're they're flip-flopping from one thing to the next um they're leaving people confused they're, they're um yeah and, and the the casualty rate was huge in england and the us and so on um so i'm i'm very glad and i i hope um and I'm always hoping that people will begin to see the, the value of, of, that, of those, uh, those social values of caring for one another that has been demonstrated during this, this, um, this pandemic, it, and not just at a governmental level, but you know, across society. Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have herbs sensitive to a smile. Why this one? Oh, look, for a number of reasons. One is, if you've ever seen the video of it, it's a beautiful video. It's shot at Ruatoria and you, you get it's some sort of festival that's going on there. And you just see these wonderful kids in and, and Rangatahi and families uh, with big smiles on their faces, really, really enjoying them. And the song is about how appreciating the beauty in, in other people uh, their, for who they are, it, it brings life to you, brings healing. And, um, yeah, so I, I love it being a, a New Zealand song, uh, you know, a Pasifika or a Maori song um yeah um a rutoriious song it, it just yeah it shows um yeah the value of 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 looking out for one another, seeing the beauty in one another um being being uh community together yeah.
4: i Just... you
1: Stephen, I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years?
2: That's a good question. I, um, I, I, I suppose on a personal level, it was making this transition back to being a student after not doing it for 20 years. Um, and I set myself the, the goal. I said, if I do well enough in the in the um, diploma, um, then I'll do the PhD um so you know making that transition that was that was great and i really really loved it really enjoyed it um and you know the old gray matter still working so that was the the biggest personal success
1: any advice for him moera
0: never give up (laughs) thank you and and always listen to your supervisors (laughs) and and really that saves so much time if you listen to your supervisors and um Always have the right supervisors for you. So if your supervisor doesn't turn out to be the right person, then change because it just matters so much to have that right support.
2: Yeah. I I feel very lucky with who I've got.
0: Good. That's a beautiful thing. Um, And the end does come. And even though sometimes it feels like it's never going to come, it really does.
1: Right. Thank you. Stephen, we are writing a book about... These conversations, it's called Moira's Thesis. It's also called Tomorrow's tomorrow's Heroes. <laughs> it's our collection of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower?
2: I, I, I guess it has been connecting people together. Um, and it, it doesn't seem to be a big effort to me to um, recognize someone's passion or gifting in there and say, hey, you should go and talk to so-and-so. And, and you know, together you could do such and such. And that that's been something, and it it's um, it it it's not it's not been hard work for me to do that. You know, it's just something that um that has borne fruit over the years, or so just just making connections and being aware of what's going on, saying, "Hey, this is a if you thought of this, would be a really great fit."
1: So, do you consider yourself to be an activist?
2: Um, from time to time, from time to time. So, what motivates so, you? you? Know, I, I well, I keep I keep getting drawn back into it. Put it that way. I I um I was very active in the Labour Party for ten years, um but had pulled back to God's and on a few other things, um and I'm you know I'm I'm involved. I, I get my head, fingers in all sorts of pies. I can't help myself.
1: <laughs> so what's the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so?
2: Oh, it it, it will be a, a challenge of of balancing things. I'm I'm working on this PhD part time, so I've got a continue to run my wee business and i'm i've sat on a couple of boards three different boards that i will take a bit of time and energy and um and you know having time for family and all that kind of stuff so it's about readjusting and you know um finding balance uh, and you know a, a phd is is um takes a pretty big chunk of your day and your week to fit everything else in so but i've, I've learned to be bounded and hopefully that'll that'll i'll get there with that and
1: lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? It's
2: a, it's a pretty generic, big general question, isn't it? It's a um, free hit. It's the last thing. It's a free hit. Look, look. just going back to what I was saying before, you know, um, the best way to yourself is to look after the people. you know, build those good relationships. And, and, and that's, that's where you find yourself. Um, that's where you find value. That's where you find uh, hope and, and heart and love and life. So, you know resist that um, that temptation that says it's all about you because it's not. If you focus just on yourself, you're going to be miserable.
1: Thank you for that. Mawera.
0: Stephen, I just want to say thank you for your service to your community and to, to the wider community and now to the knowledge community with this um, PhD that you're undertaking. One incredible journey. And i um just really want to thank you for for role modeling what service looks like in a community because it, that's a thing we need to find some way to bring back and with people like you out there actively making um making a difference focused on what's best for the you know for everybody not just themselves we need more of of you and people like you so thank you for all that you do and long may you continue to do it kia ora
2: oh, kia ora. it's been, been my pleasure History never repeat
3: I tell myself before I go to sleep Don't say the words you might regret I lost before, you know I can't forget
2: There was a girl
3: I used to know She dealt my love a savage blow Harry
1: spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahoe McKenzie. This is Split Ends. I'm Jeremy Mann. So it's always Bay of Dunedin, with Marira Karatai in Phuketani, and in North East Valley Dunedin, we've been joined by Stephen O'Connor. As that was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Marty one. Nice